Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast. My guest today is Brian Nass, the Director of Sales Enablement for sales learning platform company, Lessonly. Brian's a veteran of Salesforce, where he served as the Director of Product Enablement and Readiness for the Marketing Cloud Solutions. Brian also had a stint as a learning architect for Exact Target and a manager of customer success at Dyno. We know Brian from the partnership between Lessonly and my firm Mediafly, where we integrate the Lessonly platform to deliver sales readiness solutions to our customers. We're really excited to have Brian here today so we can discuss everything at the join between sales readiness and sales enablement. Welcome, Brian. Tom, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so I definitely want to dive right into it with you. We've got a lot of ground to cover with regard to sales readiness and, and sales enablement. So although most sales groups that have been surveyed, they hit their overall growth target, so they find a way to do it. Research shows that almost half of all the sellers fail to meet quota goals, and more than half of all forecasted business that fails to close. So the load is being carried by these A performers, and then there's a bunch of Bs that are contributing a little bit, and then Cs that kind of aren't contributing very much at all. Yeah. You know, have you heard the same challenges from prospects that you visit with? Totally. I mean, and it's something we hear all the time, and it's something, frankly, that, that I've seen firsthand at, at different places that I've been at. And, you know, you, you always hear kind of the, the anecdote of 80% uh, of your sales come from 20 percent of your reps and stuff mm -hmm. like that and it creates a, a huge problem for growth and productivity if you really think about it because companies have to have that predictability to grow and scale their business mm -hmm. and without the predictability of, of where that's going to come from which reps are going to hit and, and who's going to contribute it really creates a challenge and, and you know frankly I think we've seen a, a big influx of investment in sales enablement over the course of the past about five years and I, and I really think this is one of the really big drivers behind that because companies are looking at this and going wow I, I, I need predictive uh, predictability in my business and, and I don't know where it's going to come from and mm -hmm. sales enablement is what is going to allow them to, to get those sellers where they need to be. Yep, completely agree with that. And, you know, think about it. You've got that 20% that's performing. What if one of them, two of them, five of them decide to leave that year? Totally. Um, you know, huge hit on the business overall. And, and as you're adding reps, you kind of don't know whether you're hiring or going to get and train and, and uh, create an A, a B, or a C player. So you can't predict growth either on that front, which we'll get to in terms of onboarding here in a moment. Absolutely. The analysts, they also highlight that organizations that are experiencing more and more of these issues where, you know, the, the sellers are failing to meet quotas, the forecasted business fails to close, the lack of predictability, those are the ones with more traditional sales training. And, and usually what we see, I'm sure you see this too, you got, you know, that two to three day onboarding boot camp, uh, the crash course. Yep. You've got the other thing that we see a lot of is, you know, you, you get everyone together for sales kickoff once a year and here's the <laughs> fire hose that you're going to drink from for three days. And, you know, they're totally exhausted by new product launches and totally. new pitches and new content and everything else. And then, you know, perhaps there's throughout the quarters, you know, some hit or miss in-person specialized training that occurs. I mean, clearly this way isn't working. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's absolutely true. And, and the interesting thing here is usually when I talk to people and we talk about the exact things you, you just mentioned, like the, the boot camp, like the, the three to five day boot camp, the, the periodic uh, enablement from a like in-person bringing people into a classroom, like they, they typically think I'm going to say those things are bad. And, and frankly, they're not, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, those programs, your boot camp programs, your sales kickoffs, those are all effective ways to enable, but it only gets you part of the way there. Yeah, don't stop and, and, there, right? Yeah. yeah, you can't stop there. And that's where, where so many companies that I see, they, they kind of miss the mark is they, they kind of check the box on, hey, yeah, we, we just did our five-day boot camp and, and we are rep strength from the fire hose and now they're ready to go sell. Well, yeah, they, they got to a lot of really good information there and, and, and you may have gotten them part of the way there, but there's still so much that they need to know about how to sell your products. But we know that they're only going to retain a small bit of that. So how are we going to reinforce what, what they're learning? How are we going to give them opportunities to put those things into practice? And, and when we only focus on those more traditional kind of learning methodologies, we miss so many opportunities to, to build upon those. Because I, I tell people all the time, like, I, I never want to reduce, when I'm consulting with people or, I, or I'm giving advice, I never want to reduce the amount of onboarding that they're doing. I never mm -hmm. want to reduce the amount of in-person training they're doing. What I want to do is help them do those things more effectively, help them take what the, the advantages that they get from a social aspect and a, um, a aspect of kind of bringing everyone together to, to learn and then build upon that over the course of the next two, three months so to really gain uh, the, the knowledge that those reps need to be successful. And I, I think, I, and I, certainly all the, the companies that are kind of fall into this, you, you don't want to kind of put them down, but, but the, the challenge of a lot of this is sometimes those things are just easier to do. You know, because really, really putting a focus on what needs to be focused on, which is the true outcomes that we're looking for, that's hard. Sales enablement is really hard. Getting getting reps ready and productive is hard. If it wasn't, we wouldn't only see 20% of say a sales reps succeed. So I think sometimes it's the easy way out to say, oh, hey, we have this problem. We're going to do this one day training and we're going to bring everybody and check the box and say that problem solved. When really yeah. that, that's just not how it works. Yeah. So it's check the box and that's the beginning, totally. which is kind of what I want to get from you next is, okay, now that we recognize that the, the sales kickoff, the boot camp, the in-person training on that new product or new technique or whatever is the starting point. Well, what are the other elements, what are the other key components that we need to kind of overcome that forgetting curve, right? To overcome the how much of this just doesn't stick, um, which is the problem, right? It's not like yeah. those aren't effective from a right there in that moment in time, you've gotten totally. the sellers the information, they've gotten that social experience, they now know how important it is, but you know, then they go back to all of the activities they have to manage, all of the processes they have to deal with, all of the distractions of having too many accounts to manage and not enough time yep. in the day. And so how do we get them to be now effective with modern sales readiness as, as we're tending to call it? What are the key components? Yeah, absolutely. I really think about three things when I when I think about kind of modern sales readiness. The first is relevance. So when you think about relevance, I'm thinking about 
like how can I, how can we provide tools, resources, and development opportunities that match the actual need that they have, right? Not, not every rep is the same. Not every learner is the same. How, how can we uh, personalize some of that learning to make sure, per, personalize those opportunities to make sure that we, it is relevant to where they are? I, I talk to reps all the time, and I think one of the classic failures uh, of training and enablement programs is, is kind of this one-size-fits-all, right? This, yeah. where, where a rep will come to a training and they'll get trained on a new product that, that they, their company is releasing, and, and then they tell me like, I'm never going to sell that product because that product is focused toward a, a customer that is not a, a, is not in my book of business. And so it, it's this one size fits all type training that, that is just this um, being sent out to everyone and it's just not relevant. And so not only is that a waste of time, it also doesn't give me what I need to be successful in, in my role. And so that, that relevance piece is such a key part. Yep. And you mentioned style as far as relevance too. So, you know, if people have different learning styles, although many of us, uh, the majority are visual learners, uh, there are some that are tactile, there are some that are auditory and, uh, you know, we've got to pay attention to the individual learning styles and how the seller wants to consume that content and is most effective at um, translating the knowledge into practice that, that is important as well. Yeah, I, that's absolutely right. And I think oftentimes even more important than learning styles is the actual amount of content that, that we are, are giving them, right? So, so thinking about like a video or um, a, an experiential type learning, like th those things uh, are great. And some, some people prefer a video over text and vice versa, but oftentimes it comes down to are we just providing too much text? Is the video too long? And so as we think about kind of this micro learning trend throughout the industry, that I, a lot of that is really just addressing a, a lack of good training and enablement design as we think about providing the, the right resources for different learners. And, as, and, and sometimes I even find it with myself, sometimes the, the my preferred learning style depends on what I'm trying to learn and depends on the situation I'm in. If I can turn on a video or an audio uh, of some information while I'm on my commute, that might be my preferred learning style. Whereas if I'm at my desk, I may want to read through something. So it, it varies depending on kind of the context that we're in as much as it does depend on uh, the actual style I learn best in. Awesome. So that's number one relevance. What's number two? Uh, second one I always think about is ease of access. And I think about this in a couple of different ways. So if we think about, I've got the content, if I have content that's relevant to me, that it's going to help me improve and, and reach my goals. The second piece is how easy is that for me to get to, right? And, and I think about things like just in time type, type learning. So am I, when I am in the context of my day-to-day -day job, do I have easy access to find the resources that I need to uh, get to that next step? So maybe I, I'm, I'm selling and I'm in a negotiation. Do I have the resources at my fingertips that are going to help me with that negotiation? Or if I come up against a competitor, how easy can I get to my resources that I need for that competitor? We know we cannot keep all the things we need to do in our day to day in our brains. It's just, we, we can't recall all that. So we have to have the access to, to those resources uh, where we are. And a big part of that goes into um, 
mobile access and the ability to search those types of things. So if I am with a client or, or I'm going to meet a client uh, and I'm on the road, I have to have that mobile access in order to get to the, the resources that I need. Um, whereas if I'm sitting at my desk, I might need that on my desktop because I want a larger viewing experience. So mm -hmm. that ease of access is such an important part of, of really making it easy for reps to get to that relevant content that they have. Completely agree. And then number three of the kind of components of modern sales readiness, what are you putting into that bucket? Yeah, number three for me is, is really, part of it is a, a bit of a combination of relevance and access, but, but I just call it value. Right. I call it. I think oh, that's near and dear to my heart. So we're, we're right. all good I mean, on I mean, that one. <laughs> we, we teach our sellers all the time. Like, Hey, when you are selling, you have to provide value in order to get someone to commit to buy from you. I think it's the same thing on our side, right? If we have to prove the value of our content, prove the value of, of our resources in order to gain the trust of our reps that they will continue to quote unquote buy from us. And when, when they, when we start to gain that trust by providing that value, that's when we're going to start to get the culture change that we really need so that reps are constantly coming back to us and looking to grow on their own, which is frankly the holy grail of sales enablement. When you have reps coming to you asking for those development opportunities, because they want to continue to get better. Yeah, I totally agree. So, we know a lot of organizations, they're, they're relying on adding new and effective sellers mm -hmm. uh, to meet the growth goals. Um, we've got certain customers of ours, dozens, even hundreds are being added a quarter, and I know you do yeah. too. Um, recruiting and hiring, it's expensive. It's hard to find good salespeople anymore. And reps are taking longer than expected to reach effectiveness a lot of times because either the solutions are sometimes more complex, but a lot of times we're finding just the, the buyer engagement is more complicated. You know, it's not yep. just a matter of having information at your fingertips to provide to them because they can get that on their own via digital, you know, on the web uh, from competitors, from other sources. So you've sure. got to almost train them to be consultative. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's a hard thing to do. So how can you leverage your concepts that we just talked about in modern sales readiness to improve onboarding and assuring that reps come up to speed quickly, effectively, they're retained and, and they're, they're turned into A players? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned it already, but onboarding is such a crucial part of our business and frankly, every business, no matter how fast or slow you're growing, onboarding is such a crucial part because you mentioned it, it is so expensive to hire. It is so expensive to bring someone new into your business. And so onboarding really takes kind of two shapes of one is getting them up to speed very quickly, but, but two, like you mentioned is helping reps feel successful and helping reps do a good job and do um, what they think is, is meeting their goals is going to help them or, or make them want to stay with you so you don't have to hire anymore. So even if you're not growing and adding net new reps, losing reps can be just as detrimental as you think about that onboarding process. And so as you think about, or as I think about onboarding, I really focus on, on a few key areas and it really ties to what we were talking about earlier from a relevance and an ease of access and a value perspective. But I, I think about, creating a roadmap for my reps. Um, mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the key challenges I've seen from, from 
customers of ours and others that I've consulted with is a lot of ambiguity in the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. um, it, is, it is a challenge that reps have expressed to me often is where they'll come into a situation and they get that five-day onboarding uh, boot camp, but then they really don't know where they go from there. They're just kind of released out and kind of into their day-to-day. -day. So I think about it as a roadmap. So day one is the starting point, the, the we're home and now we're, we're clicking on to Google Maps and we're, we're going to our destination and our destination is ramp. And so as we build out that, that roadmap, we're thinking about the agreements that we are going to agree upon throughout the entire process. And a lot of that goes to value, right? So if, if I'm helping my reps understand, hey, along this journey that we're on together, there are certain points where we're gonna check in together and we're going to see how we're progressing. We're gonna see what's working well, what's not, and we're gonna get a good check-in on if you if we're seeing the leading indicators toward that end goal of where you are whether that end goal of ramp is one month down the road or eight months down the road we have to provide that clarity for for our reps to to so they know how they are progressing mm -hmm. other, go ahead. Go, go, no keep going i was just gonna say the, the other thing i think about a lot is as a part of, of that those agreements um that that we're setting along the way a lot of it comes down to creating a, a consistent and predictable experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the thing that is a, one of the big things we focus on is, is we try to make sure the, the onboarding experience of our reps is very highly guided. So they know what success looks like and they know how to get to success. I truly believe that every rep when they come into a business, they want to be successful, right? Yep. You, you, you don't have someone comes in that just says, eh, I'm just going to collect a paycheck here and move on. You wouldn't be in sales if that was your mentality. Yep. So giving them guidance on how they can do that is where we've seen a lot of success when it comes to just helping reps understand what they need to do and being very clear about these, this is what's going to get you to your goal. And if, if you partner with us to do that, we're going to help you get there. And being that trusted partner, again, comes back to that value uh, that, that we really focus on. I love it. And I love that it's outcome and, and kind of value focused. Do you put together kind of a, um, a seven day, you know, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, 100 day, plan? Is that typically what you've seen where there are certain kind of time-based milestones where it's yep. like, here's what we want you to, where you, we want you to be at a certain point and here are the things that we think you need to get there. Yeah. At the, at the risk of geeking out on too many tactics here, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we break ours down into um, a seven month program. So okay. a, a, in seven month for clarity here, and this is something I talk to people about all the time, seven, um, Onboarding and ramp are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. the, I define onboarding as the time that we are supporting our reps through the process to help them reach their goals. Ramp is a measure of how quickly they get to productivity. So, so uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll hear people talk about kind of the ramp and onboarding interchangeably. And I try to, to dispel that a little bit because I, I think they are separate. They are certainly um, influenced by each other majorly, mm -hmm. but, but I look at them separately. So, so we onboard for seven months and, and during that seven month period, we have monthly check-ins 
um, as they progress through, where we are reviewing their goals with them every single month along that journey. And as a part of that seven months, uh, we're also, we break that down into kind of three segments uh, mm -hmm. to, to help them kind of scaffold on top of each other. So the first segment for us is very highly focused on really training, right? So, so the mm -hmm. first month is they spend time in the classroom, they spend time shadowing, they spend time doing a lot of role play, they spend a lot of time practicing. And really their measures in that first month are, are, are you doing the right things to gain the knowledge and to gain the practice that you need in month two, which is where we really start working with them from a metrics perspective and a day-to-day a -day jobs perspective. So that's when they, they really hit the phones and start cold calling. They really uh, start building pipeline. They're yeah. starting to close their first deals. Like, like that time frame, we're still working with them. We're still coaching them on, on a regular basis. They're still going through learning, but, but it is much more in the context of process their, and their activity. Day -day. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. As opposed to that, that first, as opposed to the us. product, the messaging, the solution. Exactly. The, yeah. Yep. I'm with you. So exactly. perfect. And then the, the third phase for us is, is frankly, uh, we kind of call it a maintenance phase, but, but it's more a, Hey, we're here for support. We're here checking in. We're still making sure you have what you need, but at this point, you know how to do your job right? You know what it takes to be successful. You're building and now we're just helping you kind of reach out and fly, push you out of the nest to fly, but you're not quite ready to do it on your own. I still need to be right there with you until they, they get to that full onboarded ramp perspective. Awesome. So another key opportunity, and we hear this a lot, is like, oh, if I could only get those legacy middlers, you know, kind of the B's and C's to be just like the A's, Oh, if it was only that easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, but it's a big goal, right? Because the majority of your team are, are not those top performers. So how the heck do you replicate those top performers? How do, how do we leverage a modern sales readiness solution to get us toward that goal where, okay, maybe not every C, but that the Bs can become As? What have you seen in terms of applying readiness to middlers and the results? Yeah, I, absolutely. It, frankly, I, I think of it very similar to the way I think about onboarding. So you, you think about a roadmap to success. So onboarding is about, like we just talked about, it's about getting someone who is brand new to the business and getting them to a point where they are productive as a member of the team. When I think about those middlers though, it's a similar situation where they are not to the point where they want to be and they have an end goal. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we try to think about that in, in a very similar roadmap or onboarding perspective. Um, the way we do that is really focusing on skills. So we've identified a, a skills matrix um, that essentially is a breakdown of what does it take to be successful as a mm -hmm. rep here at Lessonly. And as, as a rep progresses through through their tenure, through their career, after they get out of onboarding and, the, and they're progressing through, we periodically will measure based on um, their own self-assessment, based on their manager's assessment, based on uh, observations in the field, like their calls or ride-alongs, things like that. Mm -hmm. We'll measure uh, periodically how they are progressing toward uh, those skills. And as we start to identify certain skills that 
may need a little extra work, that's where we can help put a roadmap in. So as you look at a, a middler or frankly anyone in our, our sales, no matter if they, they're kind of a bottom dweller, a middler or a top performer, we're always looking for those development opportunities. But if you think about the middler specifically, we want to help identify, all right, what are, the, what are the top priorities within our skill matrix that are going to help you close more deals, that are going to help you build more pipeline that you can close? Yeah. And really focusing in on those skills and, and, and taking that, those skills to drive toward those outcomes that are going to help them get to that A player is where we start to help them build that roadmap. And, and I, I think the, the key piece of that, and, and you, you alluded to this earlier, was the, the tools that we have now, the sales readiness tools that we have now, really help us do that. Help us, um, give us the flexibility to create a roadmap that is unique for one seller, for every seller that we have, and not having this kind of one size fits all. So mm -hmm. I can focus on the two or three skills that, that one rep needs. Yeah, and it's those deficiencies, I think, that, that make kind of the middler it's they've got some incredible skills usually um some come to mind where you know they could talk the solution all day long but they don't really know how to manage the buying process and the journey too well or the opposite uh i've known some incredible salespeople that are great at the process but to yeah. hear them give a pitch um you wonder if they if they even know what the solution is that they're selling, <laughs> sure. but but amazingly, sure. you know, they're closing yeah. so many deals, but you know, they're they're not up at that level where you know they could be if those deficiencies are closed. So I think you're spot on with it. You know, kind of understand the deficiencies and then build that roadmap to overcome those specific deficiencies and give them the readiness they need to overcome them to close those gaps. So key. Yeah, it, it, and and sometimes it's it's not even what we've found is it, sometimes it's not even a deficiency. Sometimes, sometimes it may be a, a skill in our matrix that it's not their lowest, but if they put more focus on it to go from competent to master, mm -hmm. like that could be what they need to go to that next level. So, so we, we, we try to look at it uh, holistically and think about where they are in their learning process, where, where they're trying to go, and then help them identify those specific skills that are going to get them there. And it's not always working on the one that they're worst at. Sometimes it's working on uh, one that they might be decent at, but they need to be great at it. Awesome. And, and is that found by mapping them over to the successful archetype, essentially? That's exactly right. So, so yeah. each of those skills map, maps to different outcomes and, and, and we map it to uh, different measures within the business. So, so that as we look at, hey, my pipeline is really low or uh, I'm struggling with my win rate. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's look at your skill metric matrix and see the different skills that help uh, that we map to a quality win rate let's see where you are uh, on each of those skills and, and where we might be able to provide some development opportunities to get better at those. Love that, Brian. Absolutely spot on. So another um, key challenge that a lot of organizations face is, you know, they, they've got a great performer and they need to grow the sales team. So they pop that top performer in to be a frontline manager yep. and they say, here, here's, here's a group here's a territory, go for it. Uh, without a lot of training, without a lot of yeah. uh, skills development. Um, 
sales readiness when it comes to frontline managers. Um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts there. Totally. I think this is one of the, the major problems that, that I see a lot of companies deal with because <laughs> what you just described is kind of the formula for most most companies, right? Mm-hmm. You take that top performer, you, you, you give them a team, and then you wonder why they're not performing as they were because typically what we see with those performers is they spend the majority of their time on calls, in deals, and trying mm-hmm. to replicate what they're doing as opposed to focusing on their team. Yeah, so what, what they're trying try to get to out on the field, right? To play still when they need to be totally. on the sidelines. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. and who wouldn't, right? That that's yeah. how they were successful. That's mm-hmm. what they what what brought them success. What what they enjoy doing. So we can't fault those those reps and managers for doing it that way if we're not giving them the opportunities to to learn how to do it better. And, and for us, that that is focused heavily on coaching uh, and we've built a, a coaching framework that that help provide a guide for our sales managers to know how they should coach when they should coach um, based on the the deficiencies that, that might be that they might identify for their reps and also just based on a consistent cadence I mean the, the research is clear the the more a sales manager the, the more time they spend with their reps coaching them and not closing for them mm-hmm. the greater the results they're going to get as a team because they, they can multiply themselves they can only be on one call every hour but if they can coach that rep the, their seven reps who are going to be on a call every hour they can multiply themselves seven times so we we really focus on a culture of coaching and and really following a, a, a heavy regimen in our coaching framework. Um, and, and I think what also goes into that is, I, I'll be honest, I, I fell into this trap early in my career of really ignoring sales managers, of putting the focus too much on the end users, my, my AEs, and your, my sales managers, I learned the hard way, but, but they are oftentimes the boots on the streets and you have to treat them differently from an enablement perspective than you treated, treat a rep. You, you have to teach them how they can leverage the, 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 the resources that you are providing to help coach their reps when they, when they're in their coaching sessions. So really putting a heavy focus on managers and how you're going to leverage them as a part of your team, as a part of your enablement program, and they can use those resources in their coaching. uh, It's just going to make such a huge difference. Awesome. As we go through these different use cases, another one that comes to mind, and uh, I just had a great interview with uh, Jay McBain, the channel specialist over at uh, Forrester, uh, and he, he's advising that, you know, channel partners are a key part of growth strategies for almost all companies. In fact, many are, are moving towards more channel sales to gain that growth. Uh, companies like Microsoft are investing heavily in sales channels, many others. We've had a couple of um, our customers just completely go from a direct model to a channel model recently. Yeah. However, that's even harder when we think about readiness. You, you don't control those channel partners, sales oh, reps. Right. Um, talk a little bit about some of the things that you've seen work when you're dealing with these indirect models of, um, you know, distributors and channel partners and how you get them to be ready for success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, channel is, there's such opportunity there when you think about 
the immediacy of expanding your sales team greatly with, with kind of little overhead, right? Like, like it, it certainly takes overhead, but if, if you add a channel partner, you immediately get, get that impact. Um, where I've seen companies succeed is when they really think about those reps as a part of their team. And yes, you don't often have direct access to them. You don't often have the quote unquote control over uh, the information flow and things like that. But going back to what, what we talked about earlier about the, the three parts of the successful readiness program, when you can provide relevant resources for them that, they're going to want to use and give them easy access to those and provide value. They are going to come to you and, and seek that out. So I see the companies I see that do this well are the ones that really focus on that program and focus on providing the, those resources and those development opportunities, just like their internal team. You have to do it differently. There's no doubt about that, but putting the investment into the, the readiness and the enablement for those channel partners are, are the ones that, that are seeing those successes as opposed to the, hey, we're going to turn on this channel and we're going to toss you so, some resources and then let you run and we're just going to collect the benefits. It, yeah, it's not uh, as easy as that. You have to invest the time, just like you have to invest in the onboarding of your reps, just like you have to invest in the ongoing enablement of your, your reps you have to do the same thing with your sales team, channel sales team. You have to invest in uh, the, that, that program to, to make them successful, as successful as they can be to drive the growth of your business. Yeah, and having that readiness roadmap of what success looks like, I think is key as well. Totally. Just like with the onboarding. And then if you're able to do the assessments on an ongoing basis, so you've got remediation of any deficient skill sets um, so that they can be uh, continually enabled to improve. I think that's key as well. Absolutely. So, so I know a lot of folks who are in sales enablement, <laughs> they're worried about and you know, I've seen this, there's a growing sales tech stack that's occurring, right? We're, we're all trying to solve these same challenges. There's sure. a number of different ways to solve those challenges. And in combination, a lot of these ways are, are needed to combine to deliver. For example, you need kind of a content management and a core sales enablement platform to get yeah. the right content at the right time. You need a solution like, like, like Mediafly for that lessonly to provide the, you know, the learning management system, the sales readiness platform to deliver the micro learning, uh, the assessments, the roadmaps, those kind of things, interactive tools like um, what, what we uh, did at Alinean and now do uh, as part of Mediafly to provide interactive value selling tools, there's CRM in the text app, there's sales automation. Um, there's a bunch of these different solutions that are, out there and that tech stack keeps growing. So how do we get these things, I guess, better integrated so that, you know, one plus one plus one doesn't lead to overload. Instead, it <laughs> leads to, you know, five and six as our total instead of uh, three um, in, in value for the company. Yeah, I, I think it, it is such an important part of this. And, and it really goes back to, again, I, I feel like a broken record here, but, but it really goes back to, to kind of the, the, one of those 
three elements, which is about ease of access. So if, if you think about, uh, we're, we're seeing such a, a big shift right now away from uh, these kind of one size fit all tools uh, mm -hmm. and going to tools that are best in class. But when you find tools that are best in class, they have to work with your other tools that are best in class, or you're going to break that ease of access commitment that you made to your sales rep. And so as I think about like Lessonly and Mediafy specifically here, one of the things I love about the integration that we have is the simplicity of that ease of access and providing that training point in time when I, I am grabbing that resource. And one of the things that, that, that I love about that is, you know, one of the things I think that is often missed when we provide resources for our reps is, do they have what they need in order to effectively use that? Like just handing a rep a new PDF, a new one sheet, a, a new deck is only part of making them successful with that. You have to help them understand when they should use it. You have to help them understand um, the right people to use it with, uh, the right language. And with the integration that we have, I, I love the gating functionality where mm. We can say, hey, I've got this awesome new piece of content for you that is going to help you be successful, but I want to make sure you're going to get the most value out of that. So here's a lesson that's going to help you progress through that, help you learn all the things that you need to learn about leveraging that content. And once you've completed that and once you've shown me some of that competence, I'm going to turn you loose with that, with that content and, and drive forward. And, and I think about that, that trust that that is building, the value that that's building, because we've all been in situations where we, we grab a new piece of content and, and we kind of use it in the wrong situation and it, and it kind of falls flat a little bit. It's building that trust of, hey, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of minutes, go through this micro learning. And I'm gonna have I'm gonna be empowered to then go out and use this piece of content and help help me progress my deal or close my deal. And, and that that is such a powerful way to to help reps do their job better right within the context of their day-to-day. -day. And, and I love that piece. Yep. And we're doing that too in the value selling tools where we reference uh, you know, lessonly modules that we're building yeah. out and we're building out a catalog of them. And um, they'll be right in context. So right when you were in the tool, you speak about the integration, the lessons are right there in a slide out tray. Uh, and we can also make sure that before they even begin using the tool that it, they've at least gone through a base set of training and then the advanced training, the point answers to point questions are all included and embedded in the toolkit. Uh, doing the same with playbook so that as you're navigating through a playbook, you've got the training for whatever stage it is of the sales process or buying journey you're helping the buyer through. There could be educational materials, not just on the content, but also on the steps in the process and what to look for and who should be engaged. Absolutely. So, you know, we kind of think about um, messaging and and kind of the collateral, the process and the tools and making sure that as those are being served up by the sales enablement system, the sales readiness is right there to make sure that they're capable, credible and confident in using all of those elements in their engagement. Absolutely. So that leads us to the one piece of advice. Brian, the one piece of advice you'd like to leave the evolvers with today around sales readiness. Yeah, I, I think about, there are a lot of good tools out there. There are fantastic kind of best in class tools like Lessonly and Mediafly. And 
they are they are great to help your program move forward and, and to help you get the results. But but a tool is only as good as the program behind them. So I, I think the, the biggest advice is less about tools mm-hmm. and more about finding the right partner that is going to help you succeed by, by helping you evolve your, your program first and then leveraging that tool second. And so put, putting that time into really understanding who that partner is, um, that, that is going to help you kind of get those right tools in place across the whole tech stack and really drive forward to um, getting, getting to those goals, building the, the, uh, the great uh, sales onboarding program that you're looking for, providing easy access to, to the, the resources that they need uh, and so on. So, so search for, find that partner that's going to help you be successful with the tools that, that you're implementing. And advice on the practices that those tools are going to embody, right? Because the the tools are only as good as the practices, like some of the concepts you spoke about today with regard to roadmaps and skills assessments and frameworks, right? Uh, The tool is there, but you've got to instantiate those unique things into them. And I think a partner that not only provides the the foundation, but also the best practice advice on top of that, um, that's the key. So Brian, just amazing advice. And uh, I learned a lot from you today and I'm sure our evolvers did as well. For those who want to reach out to you, have more questions or want some more advice on sales readiness, how can folks best reach you online? Yeah, absolutely. Best place is LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty active there. And so I'd love to to connect with you and, and set up a conversation if if it makes sense to do it online or, or over the phone. I, I love connecting with other practitioners and other people who, who are looking to grow their program. So find me there. I think, Tom, you're going to post a link and I make it easy for everyone, give them that ease of access uh, so, so that uh, <laughs> they, they can find me easily. But uh, yeah, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Awesome. Brian Ness, Director of Sales Enablement for Learning Management Systems Sales Readiness Platform Company, Lessonly. Thank you so much for all your advice and words of wisdom today. Thank you so much, Tom. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, can't wait to do it again.